Beautiful. Is it too much to ask that, because I'm quite tall and I just feel, I don't know, can I have the, am I allowed to stand on the floor? Is that okay? I'm not too sure if that's protocol or not, or if I'm totally breaking it, but I tend to break rules a lot, so um, not because I'm disobedient, I just don't, I just have a, a way of finding, finding doing the wrong thing, but anyway, especially at church, I go in the wrong doors at kids' church and pick up my kids the wrong way. I just, look, I just want to say there's such a beautiful spirit about this place. Every time I come, it's the sweetness that I just can't describe because I don't have to because I don't have a heavenly language that describes it. But God has just poured out a certain spirit in this house that's unique to Box Hill. So I just give him all the glory and praise that he has just pours out this incredible gift and this incredible presence and spirit in this house that is very unique to you and to Box Hill. So I just wanted to say that. If you are breaking your fast, um, I've seen many an episode of Survivor to know that people who <laughs> break a fast or eat you know, junky food in the middle of rice and beans or something to that script, it always ends badly. So if you are breaking a fast tonight and you do head to fat stacks, Maybe a salad might be the way to go, but just just putting it out there. Um, it is such a privilege and an honour, and I just want to thank Nathan and Chanel for sharing the platform with me today and um, allowing me this time to share with you. I just felt the Lord, and it's just beautiful how he seems to have woven in this thread today of um, just being authentic and real. And that's the message I had driving here today is just to keep it real and authentic with you. That's why I sort of brought the pulpit forward because it's like we're having a conversation, although I'm probably doing all the talking. Um, but that's an Italian. I'm Italian, so I'm used to talking a lot. Um, but I just feel like we're having a conversation, a really rare, I'm sorry, a really real and authentic conversation. And I do speak quickly, I'm sorry, but again, Italian and I'm handsy. So those two combined, but anyway. Um, but keeping it real, I have a five-year-old son, um, who did start school this year and um, the first day I dropped him off I realised, well, I didn't meet dress codes. So I had to go to Lorna Jane and Lululemon to deck myself out in active wear and the, the shopkeeper said to me, oh, you know, how often do you go to the gym? I'm like, oh, I never do but I'm just getting ready for school pickup. basically. This whole world that is so foreign to me but now I've got my black active wear and I'm headed off to school pickups this year. It was just a, I don't know, mum moment letting him go for the first time, realising I can't control him any longer. Um, but, yeah, he's started prep and my uh, youngest, who's three, who's going on 33, she rules the house. So she is quite the, quite the situation, let's just say that. But, um, yeah, so I'm a mum to kids and I've got a beautiful husband who's a shift worker, so he's sleeping today, so he's at home. But um, this message, actually, I might have shared it a few years ago, but uh, this week I found myself stuck in this same sermon. So I've learnt nothing. So I'm keeping it real. I've learnt nothing in the time since I last preached this sermon. I had another sermon in, in line that I preached recently at um, Uni Hill North. But I just found myself in, this, in the midst of this this week and thought, I have learnt nothing. It's time to, you know, like have a clean slate and just go, you know what, God, I've, I've failed again and here I am basically preaching to myself. So I don't think I've got it all together because I certainly haven't. I'm learning along this journey and I just felt that God was taking me back to this lesson to learn again. Um, so if you've heard it before, I felt like, you know what, sometimes we move on to the next thing and the next thing, but until we get those foundational aspects right, well, God can't build on a firm foundation. It's just going to all crumble and fall. So that's where I've landed today. So my title of my message today is, If Life Gives You Lemons, You Don't Have to Make Lemonade. 
And today I want to explore Paul's letter to the Philippians, which provides some idea of how God has illustrated perfectly how to deal with the lemons that we find in our lives. Can I do this without spilling water? Yes, I can. So I'm just going to pray for us now. Dear Heavenly Father, I just uh, commit this time to you, Lord God. I pray that the words I speak, Lord God, are spirit-filled and directly from heaven, a message to our hearts and to our minds. Renew our minds today, Lord God. Send your Holy Spirit to speak to us and to prompt us in the ways and the needs that we need to change and fix so that we can keep our eyes on heaven and on you, Lord God. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So let's just jump straight into it. Um, So from Philippians, now that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, for those who are taking notes, there is a parallel scripture in Colossians in uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 2, that talks about this heavenward perspective. And if you've got time, check it out later. Now, yes, if we do ponder the statement, when life gives you lemons, normally we say, just make lemonade. So this can really sum up the idea that even though life may not be going to plan or things are difficult... Sometimes we need to just pick up the pieces, we need to just suck it up and change our attitude towards it. But really, if you break down what this cliche tells us, to make lemonade, you essentially have to pile a whole heap of sugar in to make things a bit easier to swallow. Then you need to add a bit of water to dilute the strength of the situation. But even after you do this, the bitter taste of lemon is still there. And I don't really know how the I Quit Sugar people feel about lemonade, honestly. But where I want to land today is on the idea of what kind of lemons we find ourselves dealing with. Particularly as God challenged me in the middle of the night and showed me a very clear illustration, which I'll take you there now. This is how my mind works. This gives you an illustration of how God speaks to me. But So he took me there. He took me in this image of Lucille Ball. Anyone know Lucille Ball? Great. Redhead, comedic actress with a scarf around her head with her hair all pinned up. And if you're familiar with her body of work, there's there's two particular scenes that stand out in my mind. It's this chocolate scene where she's packing chocolates and ends up shoving more down her top than getting them in in the box. And there's also a grape mushing scene where she's jumping around in the grape barrel all, you know, with her hair and, you know, true Lucille Ball style. And there I'm seeing, though, this giant black basket, a person underneath a tree with the hair pinned up like Lucille Ball and picking lemons to the point where I'm putting so many lemons into this basket and I'm overflowing sort of Lucille Ball style. And that's the image that I was woken with from God. And God questioned me in the midst of this ridiculous scene and said, who is picking the lemons? So I pondered God's question and realised that a lot of the lemons in my life, or the things causing me to feel overwhelmed or anxious, were actually as a direct result of choices that I had made. That generally speaking, the sensation of feeling overwhelmed and overrun by the busyness of life, the feeling that I could no longer do everything and fit everything 
into a tight schedule and therefore I'm feeling incredibly frustrated when things weren't slotting in or working out as I had intended. We're all because I was standing under the lemon tree, picking lemons and filling a basket that was already full. And so the main point that I want to unpack with you today, and I believe may prophetically speak to some people and the situations you might find yourselves in, is that in our impatience or lack of truly knowing what it means to be content and to wait for God to bring deliverance to a very deep, sometimes highly emotional or difficult life moment, we find ourselves filling an insatiable need with distractions and the need to be busy because God isn't doing what we want or isn't moving as quickly as we would like. And therefore, we make choices and decisions based on a deep-rooted element of discontentedness to help us endure the waiting. And when we get some time down the track and look at our lives, we find that these choices have turned into a whole lot of lemons that have taken us far away from the course or off the racetrack entirely. Now, you might be a wholehearted, sign me up for anything Christian, like, Lord, send me, send me Christian, where you definitely have not turned your back on God at all. But in this illustration, God revealed to me that because of our overcrowded, busy life, filled with the choices that we make to appease our discontentedness, we complain that God is distant or not at work. But in fact, we have just made it harder for God to reveal to us his good works. We have cut him out and failed to make room for him. And then we actually turned our focus away from a heavenly perspective and fall into just seeing the natural perspective. Failed to see what God is doing and create a life that is just too busy for God to use us or fulfill his promises. It is a life filled with less of God and more of me. And as Paul says in chapter 3, verses 15 to 16 in Philippians, so let's keep focused on that goal, those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. So from Philippians, I believe there are three principles that really respond to the statement, when life gives you lemons. Number one, get a heavenward perspective. Number two, be content in the waiting and stillness. And number three, change your thinking. So point one, shifting your focus heavenward helps to deal with lemons. So what do you do with said lemons once you have picked said lemons and have a whole basket of them? Well, we have to find that heavenly perspective in all that we do. We can become so complacent in our thinking that most of the time we talk ourselves into our stresses because we don't have a kingdom mindset, 
And it was as Steve McCracken spoke about recently when he talked about where we had come from, that we land on earth as sort of aliens and then we return to where we first come from. That is a heavenly perspective. You know, we say to ourselves, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. But yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is by his strength and his strength alone that gives me the ability to carry out anything, including my lemons. And it's sort of what echoes what Chanel was saying in the word. You know, if you overcome, well, it's not by your strength. It is by his strength and his strength alone. Chapter 4, um, verse 6 in the message translation says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the centre of your life. Isn't that beautiful? It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the centre of your life. You know, he knows we can't do anything. He knows we can't do it by ourselves, that life can be full of lemons, self-picked and sometimes picked by others. But if we will humble ourselves and recognise who is indeed sitting on the throne, then it is by his compassion, his glory and his mercy that allows us to hand over the mess of it all so that he can carry the burden of the state of our lives and work all things for good, for his glory, if we love him and place him at the centre of our world. Point two, being content in the circumstance or the waiting and not picking lemons for the sake of picking lemons. So now let's look again at what Paul is saying in chapter 4, verses 11. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. For me, and this is where I'm, I'm at this week, for me the cycle of my lemon picking began because I was pinning all my hopes on this one thing in my life I wanted to change in. And what I was finding was that the more and more discontent I found this circumstance not changing, instead of stopping and waiting on God... I started to pick lemons because in my discontentedness, I thought, you know what, if I just say yes to this one more thing, this will help me feel fulfilled and what will counteract the feelings I feel when this is not changing. Now, by lemons in this scenario, I mean saying yes to everything, doing more of life, doing more catch-ups, increasing my work hours, more of the things that make me happy. 
I'm taking on more personal projects. I'm doing more for the kids and the family. I'm doing more for friends. And if you're a fan of Jerry Seinfeld, you know in the episode when he's asked the question, more anything, and he goes, more everything. And that's where I found myself. And obviously, two or three lemons for me just aren't enough. I just kept on saying yes, and I picked another, kept on saying yes, piling more in. And this is why God woke me up in the middle of the night to tell me, you know, stop, stop picking lemons. Who, who's picking the lemons that you find are overwhelming? But you know what the deep-rooted problem is? That for me, my impatience for God to give me my Red Sea moment meant that I was trying to orchestrate and run my life, but not only controlling all the decisions, but also controlling the pathway I wanted God to follow. You know, I became, I've become so fixated on this one thing changing. If this changes, then, oh, life is going to be swell. Life will just be amazing. Well, God, while I just wait on you fixing this one thing, I'll just do a bit of this and a bit of that to ease the pressure of you having to do it all. And if I just run ahead in this bit and fill my days with that, which will become a distraction from what, you know, that thing that I want changed, well... That will, that will fulfil me. But when we try to control the outcome, whether we care to admit it or not, we are moving and shifting and running and turning when in truth we should be just waiting and watching. Waiting and watching. You know, I've been praying close for close to three years for one thing to change in my life. And in those three years, because I became so fixated on wanting this to change and this circumstance to become different, out of sheer desperation, and I just don't know how to be content in the circumstance, I began picking a lot of lemons to help distract me from the way I was feeling. You know, I did not know the true measure of what Paul was talking about in being content with the circumstance. I thought I had, but here I am again. And in God's exposing my lemon-picking ways, I really haven't grasped the concept at all. I thought if I make myself busy enough or be seen to be doing all this stuff, then it will be far easier to wait for God to work this thing out. And I'm able to deal with the circumstance a lot better if I'm balancing it out with things that I enjoy doing. But it was Beth Moore in a recent tweet who said, Bring God the thing, the need, longing heart's desire, the petition, the hope and the dream. Give it over to him. Then instead of fixating on waiting for the fruition of the thing, Reset your focus on waiting on the Lord in regard to the thing. So to paraphrase what I believe Beth is saying here is moving your focus from the result to the actual process. She says, and this is where I believe it is so relevant, in scripture, waiting isn't passive. Waiting isn't passive. It's like a watchman on the wall waiting with anxious, even joyful expectation. Watching the horizon, not for the thing, 
but for God knowing he will show up. And I'm reminded because I'm a bit of a visual learner of Pirates of the Caribbean when Elizabeth Swan is on the island waiting for her husband Will to return who comes every 20 years or something ridiculous as if you'd wait that long. But anyway, she did. She was in love. But, you know, waiting, on, waiting for him to come on the horizon. They're, they're waiting, just waiting in 20 years, you know, not moving. But that's how we need to be. We need to be waiting with expectation that God's going to come. It's going to come. But this is also supported in Colossians 4, 2, where it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being watchful in it, in it. Not hand it over to God and then make yourself busy enough to move away from it, but concentrating on the fact that God will deliver me. And I think, um, I don't know who said it recently, if I've still got breath in my lungs, I'm still breathing, God's still at work, amen? That he has plans and purposes that surpass my thinking, but that I'll just carry on this kind of waiting and hoping that things will change. No, I should be watching eagerly, deliberately, anxiously. And then finally Beth says this. This is, was game, set and match for me. And as if I was like on a sinking ship, just chucking lemons out, get rid of them, quickly get rid of them. She said this. We miss the thousand works of God around us because we fixate on the one. You know, we've all had them, right? Circumstances and lemons that are outside our control. They can sometimes be soul-destroying and life-sucking. You know, there's an amazing story in Greek mythology about this woman called Atalanta, who was the epitome of, like, destiny's child, independent woman. She was raised by bears. So I don't know what, you know, how hairy she was because he's looking at bears as their role models. I don't know. She's Greek. It's all, you know, and I'm Italian, hair, whatever. But anyway, she's raised by bears, but she's also raised by Apollo, who agreed with her when she said, um, she said to her, don't ever get married. You must never marry. I won't say wise words, because that's not true, because I love my husband. But he said, if you do, you will surely lose your own identity. But anyway, long story short, she agrees to race any suitor in the region, and beats everyone because she's Destiny's Child, independent woman, except for one man, Hippomeneus, who, cunning, through the help of Venus, goddess of love, uses three golden apples to distract Atalanta along the way. So he just delicately rolls them in front of her as she's bounding along. She's like, oh, it's glittery and shiny. I'm just going to run off my race and cat go after it like a diamond ladies hello see something glittery and shiny lovely and that's what he does he distracts her from the race and that's how he beats her and wins her hand in marriage and this is what it can be like for us with the fruit or lemons of other people that land in our race we are caught by surprise they take us off guard and we end up distracted or leave the course chasing after this glittery ball while others take the lead. And that this is the question that I asked myself and that I'll ask you today. For the lemons we create, or the lemons of other people, when we are stopped in our tracks by lemons, are we actually taking our eyes off heaven because we become so dragged down and distracted by them or do we keep our eyes heavenward, 
No, God has got this sorted. Throw the lemons or the apples away and keep going. See, it comes back to Philippians. And it's all about keeping our eyes heavenward. Knowing we can't do life, the race on our own. We need to surrender our lemons to God instead of taking control. Bet you'll never look at a lemon the same way ever again. But of course, we also need to think differently about our circumstances. That's the other aspect. We can't just have a heavenward perspective and then not think differently about it. And that's what sets us apart from people who aren't following Christ. Because when we are suffering the symptoms of life, and we've all been there, we're all in it, we're all doing life, when we are stressed and overwhelmed or too busy, what then do we look like to other people? Are we looking like a stressed out, can't cope with life, glass half empty, bring the mood down people? That's not what Christ had in mind for us. That's not very life liberating, showcasing that following Christ is something attractive. Why would I want to be a Christ follower? You don't look very happy about your life. All you do is complain and talk about how stressed you are. We've got to think about how we look to other people and we've got to think differently. And that's what Paul describes in verse 17. He says, join with others in following my example and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. The pattern of running the race with an eternal perspective and showing the world that we think differently, as Paul mentions in verse 15, having a mature view about our circumstances. That we are indeed content in all the circumstances. That we have a heavenward perspective with everything and know that we can't do anything without God. When the serious stuff comes at us or the lemons of our choices seem to be mounting up, we know to grab the sword of truth, and sorry, the sword of the spirit, flip its pages open and land on something like a Psalm 91 to get us through and just go for it. Just get to the throne room of God with every part, every fibre of your being with nothing left behind. You know, I'm bold enough to stand up here and say, there may be some people here today who have been prompted by the Holy Spirit about lemons that you have in your life. Lemons that have stopped you in your tracks, that you're feeling overwhelmed or robbed of this heavenward perspective. I might get the pianist up now if that's okay. <clears throat> lemons that you've taken control of and that no longer you're no longer relying on God but trying to do it all through your own strength. Maybe there's someone here today who's feeling or struggling to find contentment in your circumstance. There's circumstances that are completely out of your control and you just don't know where to turn or what to do. And you're just feeling, I don't, I got, I can't, I don't know, I don't know. I can't do it, Lord. But you can because God is taking it for you. You know, you're struggling for the in the waiting. Waiting, come on, Lord, when's the deliverance coming? Come on, now, like, now? Have it now, have it now. But no, it's just that waiting expectation. Lord, you are coming, you will deliver me. I don't know when, but I know I'm anxiously waiting for this circumstance to change. And God, I know that you're working around me anyway. I know that there's a thousand other things that you're working 
and doing in my life, even though I can only see this one thing changing. You know, it's time to turn our discontentment into an eagerness, an expectation that God will bring His triumphant victory. But please don't leave here today feeling any of these feelings. As I said, we're all doing life and it all gets pretty hard sometimes. But because of the grace of God, because we lift our eyes towards heaven, because we think differently and change our attitude towards it, knowing that God will deliver us, that's how we get through it. By the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us and looking at the thousand things that are going on that God is working towards for good. Could you just close your eyes with me this morning while I just um, pray for us all? And if this is you, you know, you know what? Maybe we need to declare it today. Maybe we need to, if you feel comfortable, raise your hands in the air so I know if I have to specifically target or pray for people in this room who might be feeling overwhelmed by their circumstances. Thank you. Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you today, Lord God, that you, through your grace and your mercy and your love, care so much about each one of us. Lord God, that there potentially is circumstances in our life that we've either orchestrated by picking our own lemons, Lord God, or there's circumstances completely outside our control that we cannot walk through without you standing right beside us, Lord God. I pray for those people who have boldly raised their hands this morning, Lord God, that you pour out your spirit on them so magnificently, Lord God, that walls will break down and circumstances will change in your timing, Lord God, that you will bring the deliverance and bring us and have us have an expectation in our rising in our hearts, Lord God, that the circumstances will change. Father God, help us to think differently. Help us to always keep a heavenward perspective, Lord God. Physically raise our raise our eyes towards heaven today, Lord God, to see life and as you see it, Lord God, to walk out of here and see our circumstances through your eyes, Lord God. We commit this to you, Lord God. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you are doing. I pray for everyone in this room, Lord God, that you just pour out your blessing and your mercy on each and every one of them. In Jesus' mighty, abundant, holy, wonderful, incredible name. Amen. Amen.